Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Guardian Nurses founder, Betty Long. During season three, we'll be delving in deeper to the amazing lives and stories of nurses and other healthcare professionals from around the country. We'll also be talking with a few of my nurse advocate colleagues at Guardian Nurses. You'll get a behind the scenes peek at the healthcare system, as well as get advice on how to get the best care when you or a loved one is a patient. Family meetings are an important part of a patient's care plan in the hospital. But with the average length of stay nationally being only four and a half days, most patients are discharged before any type of meeting can occur. And for patients who are in the hospital for longer stays, the meeting happens either late in that admission or at only critical decision-making junctions. Family meetings are useful to discuss patient's status and goals of care. And when held proactively, and when they include a multidisciplinary team, they have been shown to improve time spent in critical care units, allow for dying patients to access palliative care earlier, and can enhance patient care and patient and family satisfaction. Our guest on this episode is one of my guardian nurse's colleagues, Jennifer Prater. Jen shares her story about helping a patient and his family have a family meeting during the patient's prolonged hospitalization. Stay tuned. So Jennifer Prater, welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I I um I was overhearing you at headquarters this week and thought that the case that we're going to talk about later um, was worthy of our of our listeners and of coaching them a little bit um, to get through the healthcare system. So, uh, but before we get to that story, I want to talk a little bit about you, as we often do here on the podcast. We do ask our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves and how they got into nursing. So the floor is yours. Okay. So I got into nursing um, through, you know, I, I always wanted to be a nurse and my grandmother wanted me to be a nurse. And I was in high school and I thought, I don't like science. I don't like math. I'm out. So <laughs> I went to college. Right. <laughs> right. So I went to college for uh, something else. And my second year in, I, I just all of a sudden I had like this epiphany and said, you know what? This isn't the right thing for me. I'm supposed to be a nurse. Why don't I just do it? So I transferred oh. school okay. and went to school of nursing. Um, and I haven't looked back. I then I went to I got my diploma and then I worked for several years and then I got my bachelor's degree and then I recently in two twenty was just before the pandemic started, I graduated with my master's in nursing in leadership and management. Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. And was your grandmother around to see that? She was not, no. But I think she was watching anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, did she know that you went to nursing school? Did she at least see you graduate from the diploma program? No, she did not. Oh no! So I think oh. it was her from above giving me the push, saying, like, "Oh, okay, okay. right, yeah. you got to do this." 
I, you know, it's, I had a similar experience in thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm really an English major. I don't really like science and math, but, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> nursing, nursing is about people and, and it, it is about science and it is about math, but mostly it's about people and compassion. And, uh, yeah. So congratulations on a successful career and thank you for, for joining thank us you. at Guardian Nurses. You, you have been with us how long? Just over a year. And the best year of your life, no doubt, at least Absolutely. in your career. <laughs> Absolutely. And you work I learn um, every day. <laughs> that's yes, you do. Correct, you do. Every day is different, which I've heard that from many many of our teammates. Um, and you work with one of our uh, medium sized uh, health and welfare funds. Uh, many was it six thousand members, maybe five thousand. Yeah, we're actually we're at eight thousand. Ah, okay. So 8,000. And, um, as the, as the mobile care coordinator, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. So my role is to support members in, I always say any way they need help, but that's not, you know, it's not every way. Um, but what I do is patients are in the hospital. I go to the hospital and I, I visit with them. I make sure that they're receiving all the best care and all the right care. Um, things are changing always in healthcare. So, you know, you always just like to make sure the treatment plans are the most up to date, the most appropriate for the patient and, and individualized because like we just were saying, you know, nursing is about people. And mm -hmm. if you don't individualize, you can't just rubber stamp somebody and say, you know, this is the diabetic and this is, we, we tend to do that. This is the diabetic. This is the cancer guy. This is the whatever. Um, but these are people. And so mm -hmm. I make sure they're getting all the best individualized care for them. I then, I can answer questions. I help the family members, help the family members to really understand and um, make sure things are going the way they should be going. I assist with discharge. I do education. Um, I can help with appointments. I can go to appointments with members to be that extra set of ears because so many right. times you need that someone else just kind of listening in and hearing. It takes several people sometimes to hear the whole message. Um, yeah. And I can well, do even, that person. Even, um, you know, even when I go to the doctor, I, it would be nice to have somebody there listening just because you're not, you know, you're trying to listen, but there's a lot of stuff that you might be missing. So, I think right. when 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 you are with a patient at a physician's visit, uh, that's really when the rubber hits the road. I think when the most effective use of of a nurse being there uh, can be very impactful. Um, yeah. So right. let me. One of the questions that we get asked a lot, and I I'm curious about your experience uh, over the last year, uh, is how do physicians and how do other nurses in the hospital who are working for the hospital, how do they receive you? Um, it's been, it's been good. I think in my experience, I've had good experiences more often than not. Um, I think the pandemic somewhat called an awareness to, um, an awareness in healthcare in general to making sure we're all doing the right thing. And everybody's mm -hmm. really trying, I do think. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And maybe not 
you know, maybe in the very beginning of the pandemic, it was different because everybody was, it was also new. But I think now there's an awareness that um, we really need to take care of people. And so I've been received very well, very welcoming. I just had mm-hmm. a physician yesterday actually stop me as we were leaving the appointment. And she said, I just want to thank you for coming with her. It's really important <laughs> that she gets the whole message and can review it again. That's and great. I, yeah. Know, I, I think in the, on those instances, when you're with at the, an accompaniment, as we call them an accompaniment on, you know, when you go to a doctor's visit with a patient, I, I have often found physicians very receptive, um, grateful, uh, occasionally <laughs> grateful because they know that you're going to make sure that that patient gets what they need, right? right. You're going to follow up. You're going to make sure that whatever order was given or whatever medication was prescribed, that you're going to make sure that the patient gets it. So I have found that most practitioners are um, warmly receiving us at their, um, at their offices. It, it's oftentimes though the hospital where I get the, most questions about how do doctors and nurses um, receive you. And, and, and my experience and in talking with some of our colleagues, oftentimes, and I know this is unusual or people don't really believe it's the nurses who push a little bit harder than the physicians, particularly the case managers, because I don't think they understand what we do. do have you found that? That I totally agree with. Um, case managers, I don't know if they're just overworked and they're just trying to run and they just can't talk to another person, but um, I don't think they appreciate the value that we can offer. And, um, you know, I always try to introduce myself and let them know that I'm on board and anything I can do to assist. But a lot of times we hit a wall with case managers. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's, it's, I think it's sad. I, but what the nice thing is, is that once they've worked with you or some other of our other team, then it's usually a little bit easier the next time because then they understand. It's just a question of not understanding what we do uh, and how we right. can be helpful to them because as, and I know you've done this with your folks in the hospital is that when you explain to the case manager that you are a bridge to the, to the community that you will be taking the baton when that patient goes home and continuing to coordinate their care. Whereas the case manager is just in the hospital. It, it somehow the light bulb goes off and then they're much more collaborative. Yes. And I just had that experience with that. Actually this case that I was just discussing at headquarters the other day, where at the end of a meeting, they said, I, I explained a little bit of what else I could do as we, as the, as the patient left the hospital and they said, wow, we could use you for all of our patients. Right. Right. So right. I chuckled right. because we really did a 360 there. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So that's, that's a good segue. So tell me, um, or tell our listeners, give us a little background uh, into this case that we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, I was with a, I met a member, he was 67 years old. He was in the hospital. Um, I met him. He had been in just a couple days and, uh, he, his wife was, has been with him. He received a very unexpected, um, significant diagnosis and a very complex diagnosis. Um, meaning that, you know, it was going to, it was going to definitely be multidisciplinary. It was going to need multiple different members of the healthcare team, to coordinate and communicate and get this gentleman the treatment that he needs. 
Um, and it was gonna, it's going to be over a period, a long period of time. So um, I right away kind of knew this was going to be kind of complex. Okay. So, and so you that was uh, the got, you had met him yeah. in the hospital, much like you said earlier that you you walked into the hospital to meet him because you had gotten notice that he was in the hospital. Correct. I yes. Got okay. In the morning that he was in the hospital, and I went down to see him. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um. So I got involved early on, and I immediately. I mean, he was in kind of a general part of the hospital. He's now been moved, and he's in a very um, like a specialty area. But when okay. he's in the general part of the hospital, um, you know, it was really, I was trying to get information and the wife really could, couldn't say much. She just kept saying, oh, I don't know. They, they think maybe, and I, I'm wondering, I don't know. And she was very, like, she just, I, I don't know if she was told anything, but she really was not absorbing anything or taking it in. So I was trying to talk right. to the nurses and and I felt like sometimes, you know, you feel like you're pulling teeth. I mean, I would ask a question right. and I would get a yes, no, you know. So, right. um, and you, you Jen, you, was, you do get a, a HIPAA form signed, right, by the patient? Absolutely. That's one of the first things I do. I get the HIPAA okay. form signed okay. and I provide the staff with it. And I always make sure I explain it to the staff and what it is and why I'm getting it. And then I have the copy placed on the chart okay, so that everybody great. can see. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. So, yeah, so the so, wife is, is clearly a little overwhelmed. Very overwhelmed, yes. Um, so after a couple of days, the patient was moved to the specialty area of the hospital for treatment. And, again, it was the same. They, he got moved, like, on a Friday night. So then, of course, it's the weekend, and um, sometimes that rocks the boat a little bit. Um, so Monday morning, I was talking to the wife. She has no idea why they moved him, what they're doing, what's even wrong with him, what's the plan. So okay. I, you know, started trying to talk to staff to find out some of these answers and put it together. And I found myself over several days just piecing things together. You know, okay. I would I would see this person when I was there and quick talk to them and get their perspective and then I would see this one and get their little piece and and I slowly I mean I probably should have more quickly it's a learning thing for me too but I quickly or slowly learned that you know what I'm only getting pieces of this because when I sat down and tried to put the whole story together with a plan I couldn't really do it okay so were it was just piecemeal so that's when I talked to the wife again and I said I'm requesting, I'm going to be going to the physician. I'm going to request a family meeting. Um, and my goal for that was to have um, some of the multidisciplinary team fires, team members there, have the wife, the patient has a sister who's very engaged and involved, but she's in Texas, so I could put her on speakerphone. Mm -hmm. And then they have a daughter who's also involved. So it's going to okay. put her on call. So the wife immediately was, you know, she goes, oh, that would be great. I don't know what's going on still, whatever. Um, I tried calling throughout this whole thing. I've tried calling the case manager, thinking that's sometimes the first step. And I just haven't been able to get through. I would leave a message. I would, one time I did get through and was told, well, when we get close to discharge, I'll let you know. And that was okay. that. Um, I spoke, I spoke with many nurses and again, they could, 
tell me, but not the whole picture. They can tell me okay. the immediate tasks for the day. Um, right. I spoke with the, the nurse manager. The nurse manager was very good, and she had attended rounds in the morning, so she had a bigger sense of what was going on. And I explained to her, I said, I would like to set up this multidisciplinary team meeting. I'm looking to be able to sit down with the family and the team and discuss it comprehensively. And she said, oh, I can have someone call you. And, you know, so I felt like a rock star and got a phone call from a doctor. And <laughs> I started to ask him a couple questions. And he said, well, I don't know that I can really answer your questions. He says, I'm a resident and this is just a rotation for me. So I don't really know those longer term answers. Oh, geez. Like, well, at least I he know. was honest. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I went to the patient relations department and thinking maybe Jeez. they could help me, Boy. you know, gather everybody together. <laughs> um, and I didn't, unfortunately, get anywhere there. And again, I think it, some of it was they didn't quite understand my role and what I was mm. doing. So the message I received from them was, we talked to the wife, we took care of it. It's all fine. And when I spoke to the wife, she's like, well, not really. I still don't have the whole plan. Right. You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and this, he, I mean, what, what my experience is, is that the longer somebody's in the hospital or not even the rehab, the longer someone's there, the more important this type of meeting is because as you pointed out, it's day to day, shift to shift. There's not a cohesive overarching plan. Um, so right. kudos to you. So, so the longer, I mean, how long had this patient been in the hospital when you were trying to get this communication going? About three and a half weeks. Right. Yeah. See, that makes, right. If you're only in for three or four days, maybe five days, uh, hopefully they can't do that much, uh, harm in terms of communication. Right. <laughs> um, but once you get past the week, two weeks, definitely, um, so, okay. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Go, go ahead. So you, That's you've okay. talked to pretty much right. everybody in the hospital at this point. Yeah. And what you were saying, it's so true because he became that patient who was just there. So when I would call or go down and try to get updates, it was like, oh, you know, he's about the same. Like nothing was right. new anymore to the staff and, and staff would come and go. Physicians were going on and off service and in and out. And so it wasn't always right. even the same doctor. Right. Um, right. So finally, last week, things kind of came to a head where the wife was just, a couple people came in and said different things to her about like, oh, it looks like he's ready to leave. And she was like, what? And knowing full well that there was a lot more things that needed to happen um, in the bigger picture. So I just, okay. So I went down early in the morning and I took a colleague with me and we went down and we went directly into, we first tried to get to the patient's floor because okay. I knew he was getting therapy and I wanted to pursue that as well and maybe get that piece of the puzzle. Um, but we weren't allowed in. We weren't allowed up because visiting hours didn't start till 11. So it was 830. Um so I went to the patient relations department and I explained the situation and 
I did get a gentleman there who, you know, said, okay, let me look into this. And really within about 15 to 20 minutes, he came back and he said, okay, let's go upstairs and pull together a meeting. So we went up and we got the nurse manager. We had the attending physician and then, and, um, myself and my colleague and, I got the wife on the phone and I got the daughter on the phone. Okay. And so we were able to talk and a lot of things came out of that meeting and I'm so glad that we did it. I think it was very beneficial. Um, the one thing that really, you know, was an aha moment for me, like, yeah, this is exactly what happened. So the doctor, the wife was saying, well, I thought he still had to have this test. And you're telling me he doesn't need it. And I didn't even know that was the diagnosis. And he, the doctor, kudos to him. He took ownership of that. And he said, I apologize. He said, I came on service a week ago. So he came on, you know, two weeks or so into it. He said, I thought you were up to speed on all that. I thought you had already had one of these meetings or at least been spoken to and told. Oh the diagnosis, the prognosis, he didn't realize she was still in the dark for a lot of it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Good for him. Good for it him. It was. I was really happy he did that. Yeah. Well, and it must have made her feel good, right? That, it, you know, because sometimes families feel like they're, uh, you know, they're being a pain. And, you know, that, yeah. that's not how they should feel. But it, the healthcare system has so many patients to take care of. And, you got to be the squeaky wheel, but it does impact how you feel about the system. So to have somebody kind of validate, particularly a physician, to have somebody validate that, yeah, we, you know, we didn't do a good job or, yeah, I, I just assumed that you knew what was going on. That probably made her feel better. It did. It was huge. Yeah. And um, so I thought that was great. She was able to express some of her concerns. Um, you know, they talked a lot about moving forward and his wishes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it just was a super important meeting, I think. And everybody was on the same page and the wife, she just, when she, I waited for her. So she, you know, wasn't there for the meeting. And after the meeting, I waited at the hospital because I knew she was coming. And uh -huh. because I just felt, you know, she just went through a huge ordeal and I wanted to make sure she was okay with it all. And she came in and she looked good. She looked at peace with everything. And she said, you know what? All I needed was to know what was going on and right. know what I'm dealing right. with. And now I can deal with it. Oh, that's great. So, right. You know, I, it, honestly, we, we say that all the time at guardian nurses, right? You just want a game plan. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yeah. if that game plan changes, so be it, but at least you're, you have a plan and you're working toward it. And if it has to be changed or altered for some reason, then they can do it. Um, and and look, Jen, you and I and, and other folks have said for years that the number one problem in healthcare is communication. That is the you know the challenge, I should say. The challenge is communication because there's so many moving parts, right? So many people involved. To your speaking to your case, a lot of people, uh, and and you are trying to coordinate multiple people just to have uh, a family feel good about what's happening, and. Right. And, and dare I okay. dare I say the, the larger the act, the larger the health system or the larger the hospital, it can get even more challenging. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the takeaways I'm taking away from this and um, is that it's okay. to You have a right to know, and it's okay to ask for people to come together and communicate to you. Um, I think families and patients get caught up in the, like I, I was kind of describing it, like the wave or the tide, right? And I was finding myself starting to get caught in that. Like you're getting some answers. So right. you're going along and you're getting enough pieces and enough answers and you're you're kind of putting things together and you're moving along with the yeah. flow of everything. Okay. And it's, you know, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this isn't right. I'm not getting the whole complete picture. Okay. I'm not getting the forward plan because we have to look forward. We have to look ahead and what's going to be coming down the road. So, um so it's okay, you know, it's it's easy to just get swept up into almost like a complacency, you know, you're just like, okay, well, the doctor did say nothing new today, mm-hmm. but that's not really an answer. Right, right. But but <laughs> to your point, you know, unless you're a nurse who, or, or has had someone in uh, the healthcare system tell you that it's okay to, to ask for this, right. and then when do you? And I guess I'd ask you that, like, so yes, the longer a patient is in the hospital, the the more likely it is that you need a family meeting. But what do you recommend to patients that you work with? What if somebody was just there a week? Would you tell, you know, is there any parameters that you have that you go by? I don't think there's hard parameters. I think it has to be on how you're being communicated to. If it's Mm -hmm. a simple diagnosis and you're very clear and you're very confident on what's going on and what the plan is and you can speak to that you're you're probably okay but the minute you can say well I, I'm not really sure well I'm going to wait and see what the doctor says okay. um, then it's okay to say you know what let's sit down and let's hear what the doctor says together let's all talk about it um, okay and definitely when it's a multidisciplinary situation there's okay. so many pieces going on yep and when you say multidisciplinary, you're talking about uh, multiple physicians? It can be multiple just healthcare team members. It could be PT and physician and um, I'm trying to think of something else, you know, a speech therapist. That okay. You have to bring all those people together. It can be right. multiple physicians. You know, cancer is a very complicated thing where you have a medical oncologist a radiation oncologist right you may have a specialist for your type of cancer uh you may have a surgeon separate from all those people okay and everyone loves to do their thing right but whether they're talking to each other is another story right and and Mm -hmm. you know lo and behold the electronic medical record is not the panacea that everyone thinks it is because it (laughs) even though there's notes in there the other guys have to read the notes (laughs) So, right, you still have to click. Yeah, you still have to click. I I remember many years ago when I was accompanying a patient um, to a large academic medical center, and he was um, she was receiving um, cancer treatment uh, recommendations, and um, the her this is before COVID, obviously. There was a family. Um, her daughter was there. I was there. It was several people there and in a room, in a conference room. And I, I was really impressed. The physicians came in to us, right? So the, the oncologist, the medical oncologist came in and then later the radiation oncologist came in. And th- so it was, it was a cohesive effort. Unfortunately, they should have come in together. 
right? Because it was peace, you know, here's this doctor, here's that doctor. So it was certainly an improvement into what is happening today. But I did think that was a nice way of at least having the patient stay in one place. And then all the physicians came to her. Right. What I would have liked to have seen is if we all sat together and there would be, you know, a little bit more of of an engaging conversation. Um, okay, right. so you, you, your recommendation is doesn't matter time wise. It's whether or not you feel like you are understanding the plan and are feeling confident mm-hmm. of of uh, the team. Correct. You should be able to turn around and tell your family members this is what's going on, and here's the plan moving forward. Okay. Okay, and because if you're not sure about that, it's okay to ask. That's a legitimate question. And who should someone ask? So say I'm feeling that way, uh, and but I, I don't know who to ask. Where do you start? What do you recommend? I think you start with your bedside nurse. That's the person who's right there in with you more often than anyone else. Um, they can actually speak up on your behalf. There's, you know, all the physicians do rounds at some point during the day where they come around with their teams usually and and review your specific case. The okay. nurse can speak up for you then. The nurse can bring them into the room. If you're not getting somewhere with the nurse, you go to, I mean, certainly anybody that comes into the room, doctor-wise, you know, you can say, hey, I need assistance getting a plan of care or whatever. Um, but there's the nurse manager. You can always request that. Okay. There's the case manager. Just because they don't call me back doesn't mean they're not going to talk to you. They will talk to you. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe what they, the wife should have called. Um, yeah. What about? So you're saying a plan of care, but but I, my experience is, and I don't know if this is the term that you use, but I will encourage folks to say, "I need a family meeting." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that could also be another right. I need a family meeting, or you know, I want to talk about the plan of care. Um, either way, because I think that, um, you know, a lot of times patients or family members don't know what to ask for, right? So, correct, right? So I need a family meeting, and I mean, it can just be simple. I want to review what's going on. Right. I want to under and and the and the doctor, the attending physician, whomever, should really lead it. You know, just as if they're talking to a group of their peers, they should say, okay, you know, your loved one came in. This is what was going on. This is what we determined. Um, This is what we're recommending. And this is the course of treatment we're following. And this is how we anticipate it to go and discharge plan or whatever. Um, But they can lead that. Okay. just, Just by saying what's going on. Right. You know, the family just saying, I need to understand. Well, and they should be, as we call them, the captain of the ship, right? They, the attending physician, Correct. not the resident. And, and good kudos to him for saying, I'm just the resident. <laughs> right. Please don't ask me anything. <laughs> right. Please. Um, okay. So, so families can ask. That's, that's one of your lessons. Can ask. Um, the second is to, to go to your bedside nurse to at least start the process. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I, and I guess, you know, make sure the attending is there because that may not always happen. They may try to 
Correct. Just bring in a resident <laughs> or uh, right. maybe a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner. Um, we do recommend that you get the attending physician there. Any Correct. other uh, suggestions about that family meeting? Uh, there is one other department in hospitals that is available to family and patients, and it's called different things in different places, but it's patient advocacy, patient relations. Okay. And in my mind, they're like your concierge. Okay. <laughs> so you should be able to call them and say, I'm having a concern. I don't know what's going on with my loved one. I mean, they should be able to help. They do. They help all the time and they intervene on a lot of things. Okay. So they'll partner with you and sort of be that middle ground person often between you and the staff, you and the physician, okay. nurse manager, whomever. So they're a great resource. Are they, um, are they clinical folks? Are they? I don't believe so. No. Okay. Just, just um, good at, at conflict management. <laughs> conflict management, a liaison type of person. Okay. Right. Yeah, I do remember a, a patient, um, I'm sorry, a client calling and telling us that she had used or called the patient uh, relations department. She was living uh, far away from her mom and called. Uh, and it was very, very helpful to have them intervene on her behalf. So that was good. So that's a good, that's a good recommendation as well. Um, now there's one other question. You mentioned something about the length of stay that this gentleman had. Um, it was over a weekend. Well, it was several weekends in the end, but over a weekend, why is the timing of that important? Tell, talk about what your experience has been and what you recommend to patients when, when weekends are involved. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, weekends. Um, well, weekends, you get, it's it's a lot of changing of staff. Um, you know, there's just from the nursing staff, sometimes there's weekend teams. Everyone rotates weekends, so it's not, you lose some of the consistency. Mm, okay. Physician staff as well, Every all the staff, really, all the departments. Okay. You know, they rotate weekends, so you lose a lot of the consistency. Um, communication, the handoff from Friday through the weekend isn't necessarily um, as, uh, I hate to say, like as robust mm -hmm. as during the week. Um, but things, uh, there's a different pace on the weekends. Right. Okay. And, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, and but you tend to lose some information. You tend to, things slow down, don't necessarily all get done on the weekends. Right. Yeah. There, I, I think that the, the energy, the rhythm, that was, that's, a, that's a, a pretty good way to describe it because I think that healthcare and health systems try to give people off on weekends. And so those that want to work weekends or maybe they have a certain specific staff isn't your full-time staff. So I think that right. is uh, important. Um, and despite right. what I've been saying for years that healthcare should be 24 seven, uh, it does feel like the weekend that kind of slacks off a little bit. So um, in an right. extended stay, um, in an extended stay, such as you have with your patient, uh, it, it can matter. So I, I think it's good to, to it bring it up. A big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any other pearls of wisdom before I say goodbye? This has been very helpful. And I think um, pragmatic advice for any family whose loved one is in the hospital 
uh, and struggling either to understand the game plan or a lengthier admission where it does kind of you lose touch with the with the um, you know what's going on. Any other thing you'd like to tell us? No, I just want to reiterate: don't be afraid. You know, ask, speak up. Doesn't matter where you are and who you are, just and who you're looking to ask or talk to. I mean, they're we're all just people, and so just ask. You know, and remind yourself that these doctors are, they really are here to help you. The nurses, they really are here because they want to help you. And so speak up. It's okay. Okay. That's a great way to end, Jennifer Prater. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Thank you. you. All right. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thanks, Betty. Bye-bye. Bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.